Section 5 of Modern Magic by Maximilian Schell de Vere. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Modern Magic by Maximilian Schell de Vere. Chapter 4 Visions, Part 1. Concipiendus visionobis quas fantasias vocant. Quote from Quintilian visions that is the perception of apparently tangible objects in the outer world which only exist in our imagination have been known from time immemorial among all nations on the earth they are in themselves perfectly natural and can frequently be traced back without difficulty to bodily affections or a disordered state of the mind so that many eminent physicians dispose of them curtly as mere incidental symptoms of congestion or neuralgia they may present real men and things known beforehand and now reproduced in such a manner as to appear objectively or they may be ideal forms the product of the moment and incompatible with the laws of actual life persons who have had visions and know nothing of their true nature are apt to become intensely excited as if they had been transferred to another world the images they behold seem to them of supernatural origin and may inspire them with lofty thoughts and noble impulses but only too frequently they disturb their peace of mind and lead them to crime or despair when visions extend to other senses besides sight and the peculiar state of mind by which they are caused affects different parts of the body at once they are called hallucinations most frequent among insane people of whom according to escarol eighty in a hundred are thus affected they are generally quite insignificant while visions through the eye are often accompanied by very remarkable magic phenomena thus the visions which great men like cromwell and descartes byron or goethe record of their own experience were evidently signs of the great energy of their mental life while in others they are clearly symptoms of disease ascribed by the ancients to divine influence christianity has invariably denounced them when not indubitably inspired by god as in the case of the martyr stephen and the apostle st john as works of the devil at all times they have been communicated to others either by contagion or in rare cases by the imposition of hands as they have been artificially produced thus extreme bodily fatigue and utter prostration after long illness are apt to cause hallucinations albert smith for instance while ascending mont blanc and feeling utterly exhausted saw all his surroundings clearly with his eyes and yet at the same time beheld marvellous things with the so-called inner sense a swiss who in eighteen forty eight during a severe cold crossed from wallace to kandersteg by the famous gemi pass eight thousand feet high saw on his way a number of men shoveling the snow from his path fellow-travellers climbing up on all sides and rolling masses of snow which changed into dogs he heard the blows of axes and the laughing and singing of distant shepherds while his road was utterly deserted and not a human soul within many miles his hands and feet were found frozen when he arrived at his last quarters for the night and ten days later he died from the effects of his exposure during the retreat of the french from russia the poor sufferers frozen and famished were continually tormented by similar hallucinations which increased their sufferings at times to such a degree as to lead them to commit suicide 
Another frequent cause of visions is long-continued fasting combined with more or less ascetic devotion. This is said to explain why the prophets of the Old Testament were so vigorously forbidden to indulge in wine or rich fare. Thus Aaron was told, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle. Leviticus 10.9 Moses remained forty days, and neither did eat bread nor drink wine, when he was on Mount Sinai. Deuteronomy 9.9 The Nazarites were ordered not to drink any liquor of grapes, nor to eat moist grapes or dried, and even to abstain from vinegar. Number 6.3 And Daniel and his companions had nothing but pulse to eat and water to drink. Daniel 1.12 In order to prepare them for receiving wisdom and knowledge and the understanding of dreams and visions. Narcotics also, and in our day, most of the anesthetics, can produce visions and hallucinations, but the result is, in all such cases, much less interesting than when they are produced spontaneously. Tobacco and opium, betel, hashish, and coca are the principal means employed, but Siberia has besides its narcotic mushrooms, Polynesia its ava, New Granada and the Himalayas the thorn apple, Florida its emetic apologene, and the northern regions of America and Europe have their leadum. The most effective among these narcotics seems to be the Indian hemp, since the visions it produces surpass even the marvelous effects of opium, as has been recently again most graphically described by Bayard Taylor. Laughing gas, also, has frequently similar effects, and affords, besides, the precious privilege of freedom from the painful, often excruciating consequences of other narcotics. When perfumes are employed for the express purpose of producing visions, it is difficult to ascertain how much is due to their influence and how much to the overexcited mind of the seer. Benvenuto Cellini describes, though probably not in the most trustworthy manner, the amazing effect produced upon himself and a boy by his side by the perfumes which the priest burnt in the Colosseum. The whole vast building seemed to him filled with demons, and the boy saw thousands of threatening men, four huge giants, and fire bursting out in countless places. The great artist was told at the same time that a great danger was threatening him, and that he would surely lose his beloved Angelica within the month. Both events occurred as predicted, and thus proved that in this case at least, magic phenomena had accompanied the visions. Among other external causes which are apt to produce visions must be mentioned violent motions, especially when they are revolving, as is the case with the shamans of the Laplanders and the dancing dervishes of the East. Self-inflicted wounds, such as the priests of Baal caused in order to excite their power of divination, and long-continued imprisonment, as illustrated in the well-known cases of Benvenuto Cellini and Silvio Pellico, the latter was constantly tormented by sighs or suppressed laughter which he heard in his dungeon, then by invisible hands pulling at his dress, knocking down his books, or trying to put out his light, till he became seriously to suspect that he might be the victim of invisible malignant powers. Fortunately, all these phenomena disappeared at the break of day, and thus his vigorous mind, supported by true piety, was enabled to keep his judgment uninjured. Diseases of every kind are a fruitful source of visions, and some are rarely without them, but the character of visions differs according to the nature of the affections. Persons who suffer with the liver have melancholy, consumptive patients have cheerful visions, 
epileptics often see fearful spectres during their paroxysms and persons bitten by mad dogs see the animal that has caused their sufferings the case of the bookseller nikolai in berlin is well known the disease of which he suffered is not only very common in some parts of russia but productive of precisely the same symptoms the patients experience first a sensation of great despondency followed by a period of profound melancholy during which they see themselves surrounded by a number of persons with whom they converse and quarrel half conscious of their own delusion and yet not able to master it wholly they are generally bled whereupon the images become transparent and shrink into smaller and smaller space till they finally disappear entirely affections of the heart and the subsequent unequal distribution of blood through the system are apt to produce peculiar sounds which at times fashion themselves into loud and harmonious pieces the excitement usually attendant upon specially fatal plagues and contagious diseases increases the tendency which the latter naturally have to cause hallucinations during a plague in the reign of justinian men were seen walking through the crowd and touching here and there a person the latter were at once attacked by the disease and invariably succumbed upon another such occasion marks and spots appeared on the clothing of those who had caught the contagion as if made by invisible hands the sufferers began next to see a number of spectres and died in a short time the same symptoms have accompanied the cholera in modern times and more than once strange utterly unknown persons were not only seen but heard as they were conversing with others what they said was written down in many cases and proved to be predictions of approaching visits of the dread disease to neighboring houses a magic power of foresight seems in these cases to be developed by the extreme excitement or deep anxiety but the unconscious clairvoyance assumes the form of persons outside of their own mental sphere within which they alone existed by far the most frequent causes of visions are however those of psychical nature like fixed ideas intense passions or deep-rooted prejudices and concealed misdeeds when they are produced by such causes they have often the appearance of having led to the commission of great crimes thus julian the apostate who had caused the image of his guardian angel to be put upon all his coins and banners naturally had this form deeply impressed upon his mind in the night before a decisive battle he saw according to ammianus marcellinus this protecting genius in the act of turning away from him and this vision made so deep an impression upon his mind that he interpreted it as an omen of his impending death on the following day he fell in battle the fearful penalty inflicted upon charles the ninth by his own conscience is well known after the massacre of st bartholomew he saw by day and by night the forms of his victims around him till death made an end to his sufferings on our own continent one of the early conquerors gave a striking instance of the manner in which such visions are produced he was one of the adventurers who had reached darien and was at the point of plundering a temple but a few days before an indian woman had told him that the treasures it held were guarded by evil spirits and if he entered it the earth would open and swallow up the temple and the conquerors alike nothing daunted he led his men to the attack but as they came in sight he suddenly saw in the evening light how the colossal building rocked to and fro as in a tempest and thoroughly intimidated 
he rode away with his followers, leaving the temple and its treasures unharmed. That visions are apt to precede atrocious crimes is quite natural, since they are in such cases nothing but the product of the intense excitement under which murders are often committed. But it would be absurd to look upon them as motive causes. Rivelac had constant visions of angels, saints, and demons while preparing his mind for the assassination of Henry the Fourth, and the young student who attempted the murder of Napoleon at Schönbrunn repeatedly saw the genius of Germany, which appeared to him and encouraged him to free his country from the usurper. Persons who attempt to summon ghosts are very apt to see them, because their mind is highly wrought up by their proceedings, and they confidently expect to have visions. But some men possess a similar power without making any special effort or peculiar preparations, their firm volition sufficing for the purpose. Thus Talma could at all times force himself to see, in the place of the actual audience before whom he was acting, an assembly of skeletons, and he is said never to have acted better than when he gave himself up to this hallucination. Painters also frequently have the power to summon before their mind's eye the features of those whose portrait they are painting. Blake, for instance, was able actually to finish likenesses from images he saw sitting in the chair where the real persons had been seated. While visions are quite common, delusions of the other senses are less frequent. The insane alone hear strange conversations. Hallucinations of the taste cause patients to enjoy delightful dishes or to partake of spoiled meat and other unpalatable viands which have no existence. Sweet smells and incense are often perceived, bad odors much less frequently. The touch is, of all senses, the least likely to be deceived. Still, deranged people occasionally feel a slight touch as a severe blow, and persons suffering from certain diseases are convinced that ants, spiders, or other insects are running over their bodies. The favorite season of visions is night, mainly the hour about midnight, and in the whole year, the time of Advent, but also the nights from Christmas to New Year. This is, of course, not a feature of supernatural life, but the simple effect of the greater quiet and the more thoughtful inward life which these seasons are apt to bring to busy men. The reality of our surroundings disappears with the setting sun, and in deep night we are rendered almost wholly independent of the influence exercised in the day by friends, family, and even furniture. All standards of measurement, moreover, disappear, and we lose the correct estimate of both space and time turning our thoughts at such times with greater energy and perseverance inward, our imagination has free scope, and countless images appear before our mind's eye which are not subject to the laws of real life. Darkness, stillness, and solitude are three great features of midnight seasons. All favor the full activity of our fancy, and set criticism at defiance by denying us all means of comparison with real sounds or sights. At the same time, it is asserted that under such circumstances men are also better qualified to perceive manifestations which, during the turba of daily life, are carelessly ignored or really imperceptible to the common senses. So long as the intercourse with the world and its exigencies occupy all our thoughts, and self-interest makes us look fixedly only at some one great purpose of life, we are deaf and blind to all that does not clearly belong to this world. But when these demands are no longer made upon us, and especially when, 
as in the time of advent our thoughts are somewhat drawn from earthly natures and our eyes are lifted heavenward then we are enabled to give free scope to our instincts or if we prefer the real name to the additional sense by which we perceive intangible things a comparison has often been drawn between the ability to see visions and our power to distinguish the stars in the day the brilliancy of the sun so far outshines the latter that we see not a single one at night they step forth as it were from the dark and the deeper the blackness of the sky the greater their own brightness are they on that account nothing more than creatures of our imagination set free by night and darkness as for the favorite places where visions most frequently are seen it seems that solitudes have already in ancient times always been looked upon as special resorts for evil spirits the deserts of asia with their deep gullies and numerous caves suggested a population of shy and weird beings whom few saw and no one knew fully hence the fearful description of babylon in her overthrow when their houses shall be full of doleful creatures and owls shall dwell there and satyrs shall dance there from isaiah thirteen verse twenty one the new testament speaks in like manner of the deserts of palestine as the abode of evil spirits and in later days the faroe islands were constantly referred to as peopled with weird and unearthly beings the deserts of africa are full of jinns and the vast plains of the east are peopled with weird apparitions the solitudes of norwegian mountain districts abound with gnomes and sprites and waste places everywhere are no sooner abandoned by men than they are occupied by evil spirits and become the scenes of wild and gruesome visions well-authenticated cases of visions are recorded in unbroken succession from the times of antiquity to our own day and leave no doubt on the mind that they are not only of common occurrence among men but generally also accompanied by magic phenomena of great importance the ancients saw of course most frequently their gods the pagans who had been converted to christianity their former idols threatening them with dire punishment and christians their saints and martyrs their angels and demons thus all parties are supported by authorities in no way peculiar to one faith or another but common to all humanity and the battle is fought for a time at least between faith and faith and between vision and vision a famous rhetor aristides who is mentioned in history as one of the mightiest champions polytheism has ever been able to raise against triumphant christianity saw in his hours of exaltation the great Asclepius, who gave him directions how to carry on his warfare at such times his public addresses became so attractive that thousands of enthusiastic hearers assembled to hang upon his lips the story of the genius of socrates is well known aulus gellius tells us how the great sage was seen standing motionless for twenty-four hours in the same place before joining the expedition to potidea so absorbed in deep thought that it seemed as if his soul had left his body dion plato's most intimate friend saw huge fury enter his house and sweep it with a broom a conspiracy broke out and he was murdered after having lost his only son a few days before the same simonides who according to valerius maximus had escaped from shipwreck by timely warning of a spirit was once dining at the magnificent house of scopus at cranon in thessaly 
when a servant entered to inform him that two gigantic youths were standing at the door and wished to see him immediately he went out and found no one there but at the same moment the roof and the walls of the dining-room fell down burying all the guests under the ruins the ancients looked upon the vision in both cases as merely effects of the prophetic power of the poet which saved him from immediate death once in the form of a spirit and the second time in the form of the dioscuri for as simonides had shortly before written a beautiful poem in honour of castor and pollux his escape and the friendly warning were naturally attributed to the heroic youths who constantly appear in history as protective genii in greece they were known to have fought dressed in their purple cloaks and seated on snow-white horses on the side of the locri and to have announced their victory on the same day in olympia and sparta in corinth and in athens in rome they were credited with the victory on the banks of lake regillus and reported to have as in greece dashed into the city far ahead of all messengers to proclaim the joyful news during the macedonian war they met publius vatinius on his way to rome and informed him that on the preceding day emilius paulus had captured perseus delighted with the news the prefect hastens to the senate but is discredited and actually sent to jail on the charge of indulging in idle gossip unworthy of his high office it was only when at last messengers came from the distant army and confirmed the report of perseus captivity that the unlucky prefect was set free again and honoured with high rewards in other cases the warning genius was seen in visions of different nature thus hannibal was reported to have traced in his sleep the whole course and the success of all his plans by the aid of his genius who appeared to him in the shape of a child of marvellous beauty sent by the great jupiter himself to direct his movements and to make him master of italy the child asked him to follow without turning to look back but hannibal yielding to the innate tendency to covet forbidden fruit looked behind him and saw an immense serpent overthrowing all impediments in his way then came a violent thunderstorm with fierce lightnings which rent the strongest walls hannibal asked the meaning of these portents and was told that the storm signified the total subjection of italy but that he must be silent and leave the rest to fate that the vision was not fully realized was naturally ascribed to his indiscretion the genius of the two consuls publius decius and monlus torcatus assumed on the contrary the shape of a huge phantom which appeared at night in their camp at the foot of vesuvius and announced the decision that one leader must fall in order to make the army victorious upon the strength of this vision the two generals decided that he whose troops should first show signs of yielding should seek death by advancing alone against the latin army the legions of decius therefore no sooner began to fall back than he threw himself sword in hand upon the enemy and not only died a glorious death for his country but secured a brilliant victory to his brethren at a later period a genius saved the life of octavian when he and antony were camped at philippi on the eve of the great battle against brutus and cassius the vision appeared not to himself however but to another person his own physician arturus who in a dream was ordered to advise his master to appear on the battlefield in spite of his serious indisposition 
octavian followed the advice and went out though he had to be carried by his men in a litter during his absence the soldiers of brutus entered the camp and actually searched his tent in which he would have perished inevitably without the timely warning of a very different nature was the vision of cassius the lieutenant of antony who during his flight to athens saw at night a huge black phantom which informed him that he was his evil spirit in his terror he called his servants and inquired what they had seen but they had noticed nothing thus tranquilized he fell asleep again but the phantom returned once more and disturbed his mind so painfully that he remained awake the rest of the night surrounded by his guards and slaves the vision was afterwards interpreted as an omen of his impending violent death emperor trajan was saved from death during a fearful earthquake by a man of colossal proportions who came to lead him out of his palace at antioch and attila who to the surprise of the world spared rome and italy at the request of pope leo the great mentioned as the true motive of his action the appearance of a majestic old man in priestly garments who had threatened him drawing his sword with instant death if he did not grant all that the roman high priest should demand in other cases which are as numerous as they are striking the genius assumes the shape of a woman thus diocasius as well as suetonius relate that when drusus had ravaged germany and was on the point of crossing the elba the formidable shape of a gigantic woman appeared to him who waded up to the middle of the stream and then called out whither o drusus canst thou put no limit to thy thirst of conquest back the end of thy deeds and of thy life is at hand history records that drusus fell back without apparent reason and that he died before he reached the banks of the rhine tacitus tells us in like manner a vision which encouraged courteous rufus at the time when he a gladiator's son and holding a most humble position was accompanying a questor on his way to africa as he walked up and down a passage in deep meditation a woman of unusual size appeared to him and said thou o rufus shall be proconsul of this province the young man perhaps encouraged and supported by a vision which was the result of his own ambitious dreams rose rapidly by his eminent ability and after he had reached the consulate really obtained the province of africa the younger pliny who tells the same story in his admirable letter to sura on the subject of magic adds that the genius appeared a second time to the great proconsul but remained silent the latter saw in this silence a warning of approaching death and prepared for his end which did not fail soon to close his career it is very striking to see how in these visions also the inner life of man was invariably clearly and distinctly reflected the ambitious youth saw his good fortune personified in the shape of a beautiful woman which his excited imagination called africa and which he hoped some time or other to call his own brutus on the contrary full of anticipations of evil and suffering and perhaps unconsciously bitter remorse on the account of caesar's murder saw his sad fate as a hideous demon the army also sharing no doubt their leader's dark apprehensions looked upon the black ethiopian who entered the camp as an evil omen the appointed meeting at philippi was merely an evidence of the superior ability of brutus who foresaw the probable course of the war and knew the great strategic importance of the famous town 
in the same manner a tradition was long cherished in augsburg of a fanatic heroine on horseback who appeared to attila when he attempted to cross the river lech on his way from italy to pannonia she called out to him back and made a deep impression upon his mind the picture of the giant woman was long preserved in a minorite convent in the city and was evidently german in features and in costume it is by no means impossible that the lofty but superstitious mind of the ruthless conqueror after having long busied itself with his approaching attack upon a mighty unknown nation personified to himself in a momentary trance the genius of that race in the shape of a majestic woman this was all the more probable as holy writ also presents to us a whole series of mighty women who exercised at times a lasting influence on the fate of the chosen people and the world's history abounds with similar instances there was deborah a prophetess who judged israel at that time and went to aid in the defeat of sisera and there was huldah the prophetess who warned josiah king of judah we have the same grand images in greek and roman history and german annals mention more than one jetta and veleda the series of warnings given by the more tender-hearted sex runs through the annals of modern races from the oldest times to our own day one of the latest instances happened to a king well known for his sneering skepticism and his utter disbelief of all higher powers this was bernadotte who forsook his benefactor in order to mount the throne of sweden and turned his own sword against his former master long years after the fall of napoleon he was on the point of sending his son oscar with an army against norway and met with much opposition in the council of state full of impatience and indignation he mounted his horse and rode out to cool his heated mind as he approached a dark forest near stockholm he saw an old woman sitting by the wayside whose quaint costume and wild dishevelled hair attracted his attention he asked her roughly what she was doing there her reply was if oscar goes into the war which you propose he will not strike but receive the first blow the king was impressed by the warning and returned full of thoughts to his palace after a sleepless night he informed the council of state that he had changed his views and would not send the prince to norway even if we accept the interview with the woman as a mere vision the effect of the king's long and anxious preoccupation with an important plan upon the success of which the security of his throne and the continuation of his dynasty might depend the question still remains why a man of his tastes and haughty scepticism should have clothed his doubts in words uttered by an old woman dressed in fancy costume the number of practical sensible men who have even in recent times believed themselves under the special care and protection of a genius or guardian angel is much larger than is commonly known the ancients looked upon a genius as part of their mythology and modern christians who cherish this belief refer to the fact that the saviour said of little children in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my father matthew chapter eighteen verse ten these visions for so they must be called vary greatly in different persons to some men they appear only when great dangers are threatening or sublime efforts have to be made while in others they assume by their frequency a more or less permanent form and may even be inherited becoming tutelary deities of certain houses familiar spirits or specially appointed guardian angels of the members of a family or single individuals 
hence the well-known accounts of the genius of socrates and the familiar spirits of the bible in ancient times hence also almost uninterrupted line of similar accounts through the middle ages down to our own day thus campanella stated that whenever he was threatened with misfortune he fell into a state halfway between waking and sleeping in which he heard a voice say campanella campanella and several other words without ever seeing a person Calinan, chancellor of navarra heard in bern his name called three times and then received a warning from the same voice to leave the town promptly as the plague was to rage there fearfully he obeyed that order and escaped the ravages of the terrible disease the jesuit giovanni carrera had a protecting genius whom he frequently consulted in cases of special difficulty he became so familiar with him that he had himself waked every night for his prayers but when at times he hesitated to rise at once the spirit abandoned him for a time and carrera could only induce him to come back by long-continued praying and fasting the bernadottes had a tradition that one of their ancestors had married a fairy who remained the good genius of the family and long since had predicted that one of that blood would mount a throne the bernadotte who became a king never forgot the prophecy and was largely influenced by it when the swedish nobles offered him the throne it is well known that napoleon himself either believed or affected to believe in a good genius who guided his steps and protected him from danger he appeared according to his own statements sometimes in the shape of a ball of fire which he called his star or as a man dressed in red who paid him occasional visits general rapp relates that in the year eighteen o six he once found the emperor in his room apparently absorbed in such deep meditation that he did not notice his entrance but that when fairly aroused he seized rapp by the arm and asked him if he saw that star when the latter replied that he saw nothing napoleon continued it is my star it is standing just above you it has never forsaken me i see it on all important occasions it orders me to go on and has always been a token of success the story coming from general rapp himself is quoted here as endorsed by the great historian amade thierry desmasseau reports the following facts upon the evidence of trustworthy personal friends a madame n the daughter of a general was constantly visited by her mother who had died long ago and received from her frequent information of secret things which procured for herself the reputation of being a prophetess at one time her mother's spirit warned her to try and prevent her husband who would die by suicide from carrying out his purpose every precaution was taken and even the knives and forks were removed after meals but it so happened that a soldier of the national guard came into the house and left his loaded gun in an anteroom the lady's husband unfortunately chanced to see it took it and blew his brains out on the spot a particularly interesting class of visions are those to which great artists have at times owed their greatest triumphs here also the line between mere delusion and magic phenomena is often so faint as to escape attention for artists must need cultivate their imagination at the expense of other faculties and naturally live more in an ideal world than in a real world preoccupied as they are by the nature of their pursuits with images of more than earthly beauty they come easily to form ideals in their minds which they endeavor to fix first upon their memory and then upon canvas or in marble on paper or in rapturous words raphael sanzio had long in vain 
tried to portray the Holy Virgin according to a vague ideal in his mind. At last he awoke one night, and saw in the place where his sketch was hanging a bright light, and in the radiance the Mother of Christ in matchless beauty and with supernatural holiness in her features. The vision remained deeply impressed upon his mind, and was ever after the original of which even his best Madonnas could only be imperfect copies. Benvenuto Cellini, when sick unto death, repeatedly saw an old man trying to pull him down into his boat. But as soon as his faithful servant came and touched him, the hideous vision disappeared. The artist had evidently a picture of Charon and his archerontic boat in his mind, which was thus reproduced in his feverish dreams. On another occasion, when he had long been in prison and in despair contemplated suicide, an unknown being suddenly seized him and hurled him back to a distance of four yards, where he remained lying for hours half dead. In the following night, a fair youth appeared to him and made him bitter reproaches on account of his sinful purpose. The same youthful genius appeared to him repeatedly when a great crisis approached in his marvelously adventurous life, and more than once revealed to him the mysteries of the future. Poor Tasso had fearful hallucinations during the time when his mind was disordered, but above them all hovered, as it were, a vision of a glorious virgin surrounded by a bright light which always comforted and probably alone saved him from self-destruction. Like Raphael, Daniker also had long tried in vain to find a perfect expression for his ideal of a Christ on the cross. One night, however, he also saw the Saviour in a dream, and at once proceeded to form his model, from which was afterwards copied the well-known statue of transcendent beauty and power. Paganini used to tell, with an amusing air of assumed awe and reverence, that his mother had seen, a few days before his birth, an angel with two wings and of such dazzling splendor that she could not bear to look at the apparition. The heavenly messenger invited her to express a wish, and promised that it should be fulfilled. Thereupon she begged him on her knees to make her Niccolo a great violinist, and was told that it should be so. The vision, perhaps nothing more than a vivid form of earnest desire and fervent prayer, had, no doubt, a serious influence on the great artist, who was himself strangely susceptible to such impressions. End of section 5